Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good day to all of my international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio, and I'm very pleased and excited to have you tuning into my show this morning. How are you all out there? I'm sure you all are positive in your thinking as you are starting your day. I myself am doing fantastic. I am determined. I am anointed. I am approved. I am passionate. I am healthy and I am strong. As I just stated, I am so excited and appreciative that I will be talking to you, my listeners, along with my guest mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell, as we will be talking about society crisis, society inequality, society unwillingness to change in a positive manner, which equals continuum of society depletion, as I always um, you know, we'll be, you know, as I always said, I will be bringing him on here in a minute, but I need to talk to you for a little bit. I like to chat with you guys for a little bit. Okay. The weather here in Arizona is nice. The high is supposed to be like 81 with a low of about 51. It's partly cloudy. I do not want it to get much hotter listeners as the temperature will be triple digits soon enough. But I do want to give a shout out to the eastern portion of this country. The weather there uh, that they are getting is really, really bad. So much snow and cold winds and it's just wow. You know, they have loss of power to their homes in the east. There, uh, for example, was a report um, on Tuesday of this week on NBC as a reporter was interviewing this lady and she was saying that she was not, that she has not had any heat in her home for a few days. And she said it was so cold in there. So she was sleeping by the fireplace, you know, to get some warmth. So the companies are doing what they can to, re- to restore power as quickly as possible, you know, and I just want to say God bless you to, you know, God bless to all of you out there and, you know, and I wish you well. And I also want to remind you all out there that this is a big voting year. Please register to vote. And once you do, go out and vote, okay? And for all of those of you who are registered, please go out and vote. It is very, very important. And remember to know, um, you know, where your voting places are ahead of time. That's very, very important. Okay. Here is my dinner to table conversation for you all out there, my international listeners. But first of all, I want you to all know that I came up with this dinner table conversation in hopes that families that are not sitting together at the dinner table start doing so. And if you did, but got away from it, restart it. And if you never stopped having the family sit down for dinner, then mucho kudos to you. It's a beautiful thing conversing with one another, listeners, exchanging ideas, you know, and thoughts, especially with your children and teenagers, with all of what is happening in our schools. You know, it's real important. And, you know, during this family gathering, you have the opportunity to find out a lot about your children and teenagers, of you know, teenagers of how their day went to anything that needs your immediate attention or just things you need to know about. 
in addition to getting the family members, you know, um, off of their devices and being present and open minded to interesting topics and hearing their opinions about it. My husband and I sit down for breakfast and dinner every night and we converse and I gather um, the entire immediate family frequently and we have great discussions. Now, you don't have to use my suggestion for dinner table talk. Make one of your own. But I'm just saying, just do it. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Now, my dinner table talk is, I pulled up uh, something that was on Inhabitat.com. And it was reported yesterday by Greg Beach that Stephen Hawkins reveals what existed before the Big Bang. Um, the article states in part, during an interview with astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'm sure a lot of you out there know who he is, iconic physicist, physicist Stephen Hawking recently revealed what he believes existed prior to the Big Bang. Nothing was around, said Hawkins, who fortunately elaborated on this point. The Eucelian space-time is a closed surface without end, like the surface of the Earth, Hawkins said, referring to the four-dimensional conceptual model that incorporates the three dimensions of space with time. One can regard imaginary and real time as being at the South Pole, which is a smooth point of space-time where the normal laws of physics hold. There is nothing south of the South Pole, so there was nothing around before the Big Bang. At least there was nothing around that humans can currently experience or conceptualize. So Hawkins um, has offered some pessimistic assessments, listeners, of the near future of our planet. And I've sort of heard, I have heard this before, not sort of, because if you sort of heard it, you heard it, right? Um, but I have heard him speak of this before, and I just thought that I'd share this with you, and I'm sure a lot of you out there have heard him say this too. Now, he predicts that Earth will will become a ball of fire within the next 600 years, while also warning humanity that we have less than a century to leave Earth before it becomes becomes uninhabitable. He also warned about the existential dangers of artificial intelligence. And I've talked to you guys about this before. Computers can, he says, in theory, emulate, emulate human intelligence and exceed it, he said in 2017. Success in creating effective AI could be the biggest event in the history of our civilization or the worst. We just don't know. So we cannot know if we will be infinitely helped by AI or ignored by it and sidelined or conceivably destroy it. So I'm certain that a lot of you out there know who Stephen Hawking is. And, um, and, and for those of you who don't know, I like to research and he is very interesting. He's one of my favorites next to Albert Einstein for having a high aptitude of intelligence and insight, particularly associated with science, sciences and the physicists. Now the same website in habitat.com stated the following with Stephen Hawkins during another interview with BBC's Beverly Mitchell. He stated somewhat of the same thing that I just talked about, which was the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. Since Professor Hawkins is in um, uh, possession of one of the most intelligent human brains on the planet, she says, his words merit further examination, particularly since they, uh, you know, come hot on the heels of similar warnings from Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk. Now, here are my questions for you listeners. Do you agree with what Stephen Hawkins has stated in this article? With all that um, is happening in our world, listeners, for example, relating to global warming, 
social injustice, a presidential administration that is failing to write causes that will promote a stable environment for our society, and an unstable president and administration, and using your own comparative analysis regarding previous events and the aforementioned and more that you all come up with, what do you think overall regarding the well-being of our planet? Now, how high do you think the probability should be that we should be looking swiftly to evacuate this planet and go elsewhere? I say swiftly. Okay. So that concludes my dinner table talk. I think it's a very interesting topic. I, as a matter of fact, discussed some of this with my husband, um, um, yesterday and, um, you know, so, uh, it was a very good, uh, good discussion between he and I. Okay. I am going to bring on my guest right now. And, uh, as we are getting into the meat of, uh, my broadcast, his name is Rachel C. Campbell. He is the world's best mental health therapist. And I welcome him on my show as always. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, good morning. How's everyone? How are you? Hey, I'm good over on this end. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I guess we got disconnected, but it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Can't stop, can't stop greatness. So I was, um, I'm telling my my listeners that I was bringing you on uh, because, um, you know, we're getting into the meat of uh, my broadcast. And um, I'm talking about the opioid crisis. It aired March 3rd, 2018 on the 10 o'clock news channel 3azfamily.com for all of you who want to go out there and um, and check it out. And, you know, Reginald, as I was listening to this report when it first aired um, last week, it is so sad. How many individuals are hooked on a medication that has supposedly been invented, you know, Rachel, for people who are in pain for some reason or another? Now, this report is specifically dealing with the opioid crisis in the state of Arizona. We're not even talking about the country, just the state of Arizona. And in this report, Rachel, it talks about a volunteer whose name is George. Now, he has pop-up sites, what he calls pop-up sites. That is being referred to as, and he gives clean needles and other items that drug, you know, users use as they are using this drug to get high on. In this report, it says uh, that what this guy is doing is a felony. George's response, now I'm paraphrasing our listeners, is that he is trying to actually save lives. Now, clean needles is preventing help C and which reported you know, in the segment that the CDC says that there has been an increase, Reginald, of Help C from 133% from the years 2004 to 2014. Now, that's a lot. In addition, George says, Reginald, perhaps it will help some people get off the drug. Now, here's here are my questions. Is it illegal, Reginald, to give addicts clean needles and other items that they use for ingesting these drugs in their bodies? And do you think that this guy, George, is doing, you know, what he is doing can lead to the possibility of helping, you know, some of these individuals kick the habit, you know, for the use, you know, for the use of opioids? Well, uh, let me start off with first that, you know, um, uh, the the opiate crisis is is nothing new to me and, and it's not really, uh, you know, I mean, it is a crisis and this is something that that I've been aware of and working with since since the, the middle early 90s 
Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, now, uh, because and, and just have to be honest with you, because it has, you know, started to affect uh, other populations uh, because mm-hmm. it was always affecting uh, uh, the black community, the Latino community, you know, poor people. And now when it has mm-hmm. started to affect um, uh, middle America and upper America, uh, now now it's a crisis. But this crisis, you know, has been. Excuse me, has been here for for over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Second thing about the uh, needle exchange programs: there's a lot of needle exchange programs where uh, uh, people can can uh, get clean needles, uh, um, you know, and and that helps reduce the uh, the spread of of Hep C um, and also the spread of of HIV. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places that. Uh, have clean needle programs for for people. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the gentleman who is giving out clean needles, I think I, I think that's a good thing. Um, it's not going to it it will not um, stop someone from using drugs, it, um, but it will help reduce the spread of HIV and, and AIDS uh, mm-hmm. by him giving people clean clean needles. Uh, by law, I don't know if there's a, a, a law against him doing that. I can't see why it is. Why it would be, or, yeah. You know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, giving, so, you know, that's like, you know, if your coworker has a headache and he gives you, you know, you give him some aspirin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like that. Uh, now, of course, mm-hmm. you, uh, most uh, therapists or case managers won't give uh, uh, a client that's on their caseload uh, medication, you know, unless they're they're clear to do it because if they have an adverse infection, then they're they're liable for that. But as far mm-hmm. as this gentleman giving out clean needles, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard of other places in other states where where people will actually do that themselves. You know, they um, uh, you know drive around and give people clean needles, you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but if he wants to do that, it would be best for him to maybe uh, get uh, connected with an organization. And mm-hmm. start an organization himself, uh, mm-hmm. with you know, or connect himself with uh, an organization that does the clean needle program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not uh, uh, privy either to any laws that uh, prohibit him from doing this. Um, he seemingly is um, um, a very nice person. Um, as I'm, I don't know him, but I'm just, you know, just looking at him, you know, through the TV screen. And, um, he has these pop-ups, which meaning that he goes from place to place to place, um, um, you know, handing out these, um, 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 you know, needles and other things that, uh, that they, that they use along with these, you know, this drug. So, um, you know, just like you had said, and like I had said earlier, you know, about the, you know, hep C is, you know, is consistently on the rise, which I've been knowing this. Um, you know, for a while now, but you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a terrible thing. And, and the thing is, is that I, you and I have discussed, um, you know, privately, um, you know, about the opioid, um, you know, crisis and that how the pharmaceuticals consistently and doctors, um, you know, are, are in a joint effort to keep it, to keep it out there. You know, in my opinion, Reginald, because, um, if you know that this is something that is, is, um, is, is hurting, um, uh, human beings and, and, um, causing them to, to have, you know, to be hooked, like they did interview this one lady and she said she used to be 
a uh, preschool teacher and now she's a uh, you know hooked on this opioid uh drug as she took it because she was having experiencing some pain or something with her back or, or something like that you know and so uh, nevertheless she has not uh been doing her profession um be you know because of because of what you know because of what she, and who and what she is now you know so all right well thank you very much for those comments okay so now let's move into the next topic, which is massive social spending. Now, since the 1960s, uh, massive social spending like food stamps and aid to dependent children, you know, also known as ADC and other governmental programs to assist the poor, the underprivileged in this country survive and possibly get out of the poverty state that they are in. Now, Reginald, this administration, for example, wants to collaborate with Blue Apron. I don't know if you you're familiar with them, right? They advertise on television that um, they can deliver your dinner and all the all of the fixings are in there. And all you got to do is follow the directions. Are you familiar with Blue Apron, Reginald? Yes, I'm familiar with them. Okay, so. Now, according to Wikipedia, for all of you out there who are not familiar with what the company is, they are there, you know, Wikipedia called them an American ingredient and recipe meal kit service. As I did say that they do go around and, you know, you can join them, go online and join them and you can, you know, have them deliver this food. They deliver your entire meal to you with instructions on how to prepare it. It exclusively operates in the U.S. It was founded in 2012, and it is headquartered in New York City, New York, and this is all according to Google.com. Now, the pricing is as follows, Reginald. The cost averages out to $9.99 per person, but you are charged per weekly order, which contains six meals for $59.94. Now, that's just for two people, Reginald. The family plan is $139, let's say $140 a week or $8.74 per serving. Now, Blue Apron tells you how much of each ingredient they are sending you and pre-measures ingredients to reduce waste. Now, this was published in June of 2015. Now, according to CNN.com, this is a report on February 13th uh, titled Trump's Blue Apron Plan is Crumbs to the Poor. Now, the report says uh, in part, region, by the way, this is a report that was done by Jill Filipovic. And uh, it says she says, according to the Trump administration, the poor could really use a meal kit service like Blue Apron. In theory, sure, easier access to more nutritious food is a great idea and could be part of a broader social service package aimed at reducing poverty and improving health. Unfortunately, that is not what we're talking about here. Before you get any crazy ideas that the Blue Apron type solution is part of the broader compassionate scenario coming out of this administration, Reginald, let's take a look at Donald Trump's budget numbers. They tell a different story. The Trump budget is fundamentally about shredding the already flimsy American social safety net that is intended to help the poor. It proposes slashing Medicaid, federal housing subsidies, health insurance, and food stamps by billions of dollars. Food stamps technically called the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, faces a $17 billion cut in 2019 alone and stand to lose $213 billion over the next 10 years. Now, Reginald, this is a country where more than 13 million children don't get enough food. That is just mind-blowing. 
the supposed pro-life Republican Party uh, tellingly backs Trump's budget and shrugs at the reality of kids going hungry. This is now surprising, this author said, of course. The GOP has a long history of stigmatizing those um, who receive food stamps as lazy, underserving, or as Ronald Reagan, who they're always talking about, Ronald Reagan so famously put it, welfare mothers gaming the system. And so, Reginald, we have the Trump proposal of an American harvest box, which is nothing akin to Blue Apron. It only, if only it were, she says to start, nothing in the box is actually recently harvested. The proposed includes zero fresh fruits and vegetables and no fresh meat, fish or poultry. Instead, the homegrown food uh, for the poor that they would get in a box would include processed cereals and canned sodium saturated goods. Oh, that's just great given that unhealthy foods had no care. You know, that, you know, isn't that a mix for continuing failure of a thriving society, Reginald? Well, whenever, um, well, let, let me start with this. If, if, uh, if Paul Ryan, uh, Donald Trump, uh, the Republican Party are behind, um, uh, you know, this program, it, it, it's not good because, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing that, that the Republican Party wants to do, uh, led by Paul Ryan, <clears throat> is to destroy, um, you know, the safety net for people, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, food stamps, and, 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 and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not interested in um, uh, uh, assisting people to, uh, you know, to, to get better food. It's, they're not interested in, in in children getting nutritious food. They're not interested in our veterans and our elderly getting you know, nutritious food. They're interested in cutting these programs or their their wish, Paul Ryan's wish, is just to completely eliminate these, these programs. Mm-hmm. So uh, with the programs alone, there's a lot of restrictions on what people can buy with, with food stamps. You know, there's already mm-hmm. restrictions on on that. Uh, so I'm not for um, uh, the government, uh, you know, getting with uh, Blue Apron to to uh, you know work to work this program. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think, excuse me, I, I think that um, uh, uh, the the Republicans Party continue uh, uh, to you know try to stigmatize people who need these programs and who want and need these programs as, uh, you know, as, as lazy, unfit, you know, wealthy mm-hmm. mothers, you know, all, all of that, all of that stigma. And in mm-hmm. the meantime, uh, you know, we have this tax cut that they, that the Republican Party rushed through. And how are they going to pay for that tax cut? Well, they're going to pay for this tax cut for the, for the million and billionaires by slashing Program by slashing mm-hmm. Medicaid, by slashing mm-hmm. Social Security, by slashing uh, food stamps, by slashing SNAP, and I've been mm-hmm. using SNAP for over twenty something years, you know, working in, in, in the system. So, so that's how they're going to pay for this um, this this so called great tax cut that that they that they pass uh, by eliminating and slashing these these programs. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what else do you think this money going to pay for or going to come from? 
So what they do, they say, okay, we passed this great thing, and now, you know, the deficit is, is going to go up. And now for a while, the Republicans are saying, oh, deficits are horrible. Now they're saying, oh, deficits aren't that bad. And now when exactly. it goes up again because of this tax cut, this is their this is their formula of, oh, well, deficits are out of control now, so now we need to reduce spending. When they say mm-hmm. reduce spending, people, this is what they mean. They're cutting they're cutting these programs. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, oh, we, you know, as if they're spending, you know, like like you know, just appropriately. And and most people will say, oh yeah, the government is spending too much. You know what the government is when they when they talk about eliminating cutting spending, that's what they're saying, cutting these programs. Exactly. So, and so a lot it, of people it's, just. It's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Reginald. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just, just let me finish right quick. It's it's, it's yeah. the same that they're doing these kind of things, and and that's why people need to register, vote. We have the midterm elections coming up. This is March. We got the midterm elections coming up in a few months in November. November will be here in a in a blink of an eye. And so mm-hmm. people need to get out there, register, and vote, and vote your conscience. Vote your conscience, vote your need, and vote your want. And and the thing is, is that, well, you know, a lot of voting, you know, um, is, is already taking place. We just had one uh, a week or something ago. Um, and, and it wasn't very, it wasn't very much, uh, talked about during, on the news media, which is another, you know, which is another topic because they, you know, they, they want to keep people in the dark. You know what I'm saying? So they could keep doing what it is that they're, that they're doing. And, uh, I just wanted to add in one other thing, you know, um, you know, with all of these cuts and things and, you know, a lot of my listeners things should remember how Ronald Reagan cut you know, cats up from the children's uh, lunch program, citing that it was a vegetable and, you know, it's too expensive uh, to do. So they hear there, they have these dry hamburger sandwiches. I don't know if any of you have ever seen, seen them. And, you know, and, um, you know, the uh, little children, you know, can't even put that on it to give it some flavor and, and uh, make it more, uh, you know, appealing to eat. You know, it, it's, it's just a shame. So, um, but anyway, Reginald, I also want to continue on uh, with this um, with this topic by saying uh, more of what um, this author said. And she says that the Trump, <clears throat> excuse me, administration's foundness for big business suggests that the American harvest box may be less than the health of those who eat what's in it and and more about providing a way to sell the same processed junk already driving disproportionate rates of diabetes and disease in poor communities. And unlike Blue Apron, where consumers get to choose their meals, the Trump plan will simply send poor people a sad box of bland, repetitive basics. So in other words, to truly improve improve the lives of poor, we have to lift people out of poverty. And that requires expanding the safety net, not shrinking it. Instead, Trump, who reportedly enjoys treating himself to an extra scoop of ice cream after dinner every night, proposes cutting billions of social support and health care and delivering sad boxes of cereal and canned meat. That's not blue apron for the poor. It's crumbs for people and his ilk have determined they are deserving of little more than table scraps. Your last comments about this, Reginald? Well, it's typical of, of people who, who have, it's easy for them to tell people who don't have what they should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, wrap that, wrap that around your head. 
So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he he he's being Trump and, and a lot of politicians who, you know, sit up there and you see them on interviews and things like, yeah, you can lose about 10 or 15 to 20 pounds, you know. Exactly. Actually, I, I, actually you're going back to two or three or four helpings of, of whatever and, and eating, eating in the congressional lunchroom and all of that, but yet you're telling... That, that taxpayers you know, poor, are paying for. Children, exactly, <laughs> that we're paying for. Exactly. Uh, children, veterans, and poor people uh, what they should have to eat and how much they should have to eat. And I'll just say, I'll just end it by saying there's a warm place in hell for these people. Exactly. Well... I say that hell is very hot. So they'll be, they'll be cooking. Okay. Maybe they'll be eating each other. That's, that's another, that's another whole nother, whole nother topic there. But yeah, it's, it's a very bad idea. And, um, um, I don't, I don't know how anybody, you know, this is another reason, as I said, that sleep aids are, are constantly flying off the, off the shelves because people doing these evil things and then their conscious is talking to them at night and they can't sleep. So they need something to, um, you know, that's going to like try to, you know, ward away what they what they've done and what they thought and what they said. You know, it's 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 a shame. It really is a shame. Now, let's move on to our racial and ethnic inequality, Reginald. Um, racial and ethnic inequality, you know, is still rearing its ugly head in this country especially with all of the efforts being made to bring about a positive change, particularly starting in the 1960s. People's lives were lost to bring about a change, you know, about voting rights, you know, to end um, segregation, uh, educational rights, for example. So we as a country are, are making strides to right this wrong, like the women movements, and I said movements meaning plural, like the hashtag me too, you know, the high schoolers are taking it to the street. Um, their teachers and parents moving to get something done regarding the gun violence in this country. Now, remembering listeners, I recently did a report on the Browning of America. So that is inevitable and there's no stopping there. So knowing that my question, Reginald, is what are a couple of things that need to be done so we as a country can alleviate racial and ethnic inequality in this country? Well, uh, one thing, I, I think it starts at home. It starts at home uh, where where children are taught that, you know, you're no better than anyone and you're no less than, than anyone and that mm-hmm. we're all the same. Uh, we all come from God. We've all been, we, we all people be created by God. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we need to love, we need to love each other. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with the movement that these young people are doing, uh, after this last, uh, uh gun violence in, at, at the high school, uh, that's, that's going to be the change. It, it's always the young people that are in the midst of, of the movement and that make change. And mm-hmm. I think that really this, has been something that has shaken the core of a lot of people. I'm, I'm pleased to hear and see a lot of, uh, of some people who uh, who own AR-15 are saying, you know what, I, I, I don't need this gun and I'm going to destroy this gun. So it's mm-hmm. showing that it has really touched 
the core, yes. the inner core of, of people, which is mm-hmm. good, which is, which is what we need. And, yes. And the last thing, you know, no one's going anywhere. No one, no, no one's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's mm-hmm. going anywhere. We're all of God's people. We're all privy to all of the wonderful things that God has on this earth and has created on this earth. And none of us are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm happy to know, um, that I didn't hear that report. I didn't know of it that people are destroying, um, you know, their, their AR-15s. I'm also very happy to know, um, you know, that there's organizations that are also, um, stepping up like Dick's. I mean, big kudos to, to the, uh, CEO of that organization who's no longer going to be selling, um, assault military type rifles, bump stocks and, and, uh, extended magazines and all of those, all of that type of thing. They're going to be pumping up their, um, uh, background check information as well on individuals when they come in there to, to buy a gun. There's one thing though, Reginald, I know that they're saying that they're going to, uh, put the age up to 21. I would like to see them put it up, uh, even, even further. Um, I, I would like to see them, uh, you know, do it, um, you know, even further because as I said, you know, the, the gentleman that, that did all of that shooting, um, for example, in, in, uh, Las Vegas, he was a baby boomer, you know, um, so I, 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 I would not like to see, you know, any, anybody, you know, um, I, I think that 25 years, um, it would, would be good, you know, because then uh, people start maturing more. They have lived, uh, some life. They've been on earth a quarter of a century. And, uh, that's the hope that they've lived some life that they, that they're matured and maturing and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, yeah. But the other thing is that, you know, I would just also like to, to say to our original and I'm, and my listeners just to add in, um, information piece. Um, you know, about anti-Semitism in this, in the U.S. surged in 2017. Um, you know, as I was researching, a new report finds harassment, threats, and vandalism cases targeting Jews in the U.S. surged to near record levels in 2017, jumping regional 57% over the previous year. Okay. According to a new report by a prominent civil rights organization. Now, the Anti-Defamation League counted 1,986 anti-Semitic incidents, and that was the second highest number since the group began tracking them nearby for four decades. Your thoughts, Reginald? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it's the same whenever, uh, you know, you have an administration like this that, you know, uh, spews a so-called administration like this that spews uh, hate. I mean, Donald Trump began his campaign by saying ugly things about Mexicans. So mm-hmm. you know that just opens the door for like-minded people to to come out. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as raising the age for AR-15s and assault rifles, I would like to see the whole elimination of selling. Of, of assault rifles, you know, hey, damn the age limit. How about just eliminating them altogether? Because you exactly. don't need the weapon of war to protect themselves, to protect mm-hmm. their family. Um, uh, you know, a shotgun would, would work very well to protect your family. You know, different pistols, you know, work very well to protect your family. You know, you're still able to, to purchase uh, 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 arms for uh, uh, hunting, you know, for hunters and things like that, which, you know, also can be used to protect your family. 
so no one needs a weapon of war uh, like an M16, AR-15, AK-47. No one needs that uh, to protect them their home, and you're not hunting uh, deer or rabbits with an M16 or AR-15. Come on, let's face it. And the thing is, Reginald, um, you know, uh, you know, way, 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 way back in the day, people used to have to go out and hunt for their food. We don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to go out and and kill a rabbit so mom can cook it for the dinner. OK, so it's, it's you know, it's just an excuse. And I did, you know, say I always, uh, you know, I did say before that only the military should be the ones that have these military um um, style weapons. And I, too, agree that, you know, so therefore I agree that there should not be any of these sold, um, you know, in in, um, you know, in the stores for people to readily, you know, buy, you know, to readily buy them. Um, now, I want to talk about my next um, item on the on my list, which is the tariffs on aluminum and steel. Now, 15% for aluminum and 25% for steel imports is what Trump is proposing for tariffs, Reginald, according to Fortune.com, reported by Sean Tully, why Gary Cohen was right about tariffs. You know he was the top you know, economic advisor, listeners, and he has resigned over the disagreement with Trump regarding these proposed tariffs. Now, you know, Reginald, Trump is, is, you know, as a lot of people say, and I agree, you know, things he said in his campaign, you know, to his dwindling numbers um, is, is um, uh, you know, he's just trying to say, OK, yeah, I said that I was going to do something about these the, the tariffs, which a lot of them don't even know what the hell all of that's about anyway. But he's just trying to say, see, I'm doing everything that I that I said that I was going to do, you know, which. You know, a lot of individuals when they're campaigning say that they're going to do certain things. But once, let's say, they actually get into office and they actually are, are surrounded by people who that they can talk it out with may not even do what they said they were going to do. And or if they did, you know, they they try to do it better or something like that. But, you know, but 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 not him. So um, this report has listed um, four items and. um we're going to try, depending on how much time and everything, we're going to try to dis, uh, discuss them, but I just want to name them all and then discuss it. He says that tax paid by American consumers, he said that the 25 and 15 percent duties that Trump plans to impose on steel and, and aluminum products, Reginald, respectively, won't be paid by the foreign producers that manufacture those materials. Instead, they'll raise prices for U.S. companies that purchase imported steel used in aerospace and medical equipment, petroleum, heavy machinery, construction materials, and consumer products from soup cans to baby carriages. Companies mostly pass those costs on the households who effectively devote more of their take-home pay to supporting the 286,000 workers employed in steel and aluminum. The new tax on, on consumers reduces the income they can spend on other products curbing economic growth. Okay, your thoughts on that, Reginald? Yeah, well, you know, what Trump, he, he will just say things off the top of his head just to, you know, just because it happens to pop up there, he'll, he'll just say it. And, of course, it will be passed on to the, to the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, what's what's the guy? And 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 sorry, I can't can't remember his name. Uh, I'm not his uh, Trump's budget director or whoever it was. Uh, this guy comes out a, a few days ago holding a can of Campbell's soup, 
talking about how it will only be just a few cents, well, a few portions of a cent more for for a can of soup. And I went to the store, but you know, dude, really, I mean, exactly, that, that, was, that was just such a such a stupid asinine uh, defense. And mm-hmm. you know, Trump says, "Well, trade wars are good." No, trade wars aren't. Good. They're not good. No, it's they're, not. They're, they're not good. You know, the term <laughs> no, it's war not. Itself is not good for anybody. So, so if you raise tariffs on on other people's things, well, they can do the same thing for for yours. Well, that's um, what the EU is saying. And, and <laughs> you know, and that, and you can talk about how horrible NAFTA and all of that is. I totally disagree with with a lot of people and a lot of Democrats and or Republicans that NAFTA is has not been a disaster. So, mm-hmm. um, um, he has no idea what he's what he's talking about, and this is no, he doesn't. Guy, no, who used Russian steel for the construction of of some of his projects. So he's just mm-hmm. talking out the, the the left side of his face. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and this is what I'm saying. So you know, it's then it starts, um. Kind of like, a, you know, for lack of better description, like tit for tat. So now the EU, uh, they didn't say this, but it's like, okay, well, we'll retaliate, you know, and uh, we'll, 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 you know, do this and that to your, your country. And then, I mean, it's, it's so stupid, you know, like for Trump to say, you know, you're, you're sending, you know, you're, you're just sending this, these cars or these European cars over here. And how stupid is that, Reginald? You, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's just, it's just it's just really crazy to me. I I don't get it. It, show, it just okay. shows his it just shows his utter ignorance of economic yes. affairs. Exactly, exactly. I just want to say this for my listeners, okay? You know this this made in America stuff. Um, no, <laughs> you know all you got to do is just follow. You know the you know the you know the the trail. Of, of, of manufacturing for all of, all of you who took classes and or majored in manufacturing. You know, like for example, let's say that you're in the shoe business and you need this certain, um, red dye, you know, to dye your shoes. Okay. So that dye, they probably have to get from Egypt because they're the only ones that sell that. Now they may put all of that together here in the United States, but I'm telling you, there's no such thing as 100% Made in America products, be it clothes, cars, ju- whatever it is, jewelry. You know, come on now. There, there's no such thing. We all need, I'm saying all of that to say, because we all need one another and it's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We depend on one another for different things because then, then therefore the end result is a win-win situation for everybody. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Absolutely, and and let's go back to okay. A lot of these companies, uh, you know, to dodge taxes and things like that, they sent their uh, uh, manu- they sent manufacturing overseas. You know, so mm-hmm. they started in the in the seventies and, and and in the eighties. You know, mm-hmm. so they can dodge you know certain tax structures or, or or whatever, not having to pay certain certain taxes. And mm-hmm. and that was oh that was okay. Now mm-hmm. it has gotten out of control, and 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 now they want to you know instead of paying um, a person 
a decent wage where they can, uh, you know, buy a car, send their kids to college and things like that instead of paying them uh, just to use, uh, you know, monetary uh, amount, $20 an hour. They're thinking, oh, we can send it over to, you know, wherever overseas and we can pay people 50 cents an hour instead of $20 an hour, but still Mm -hmm. send the product back over here and still sell it for $40. So it was Mm -hmm. all greed from the get-go when these companies start doing that. It was all about greed. It wasn't about, you know, getting their product over somewhere. You know, it was all about greed. How can we make more money and dodge paying taxes? These are some of the so-called all-American people who, you know, want to wave the flag and all of that, but they'll go and set their corporation in Canada somewhere else so they can avoid paying, paying taxes. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem paying taxes. I just want Me my neither. taxes to go to where it should go and, and to be spent appropriately to help exactly children, to help our children. And like you were saying earlier, it's a shame before God that we have hungry children. This, it's, this it's, is wrong. It's it ridiculous. It is just it's, it's just so, wrong. <clears throat> we have all of this land here in the United States. And instead of building all these dang on houses on every plop of land that you can find, you know, there there's farm, you know, uh, farmlands and things like that. We're we are importing so much of our food. You're talking about want to grow, do that. Now, we can grow stuff here. We got there's enough land in this country that we can grow stuff here. You have restaurants. There should be a law that, you know, restaurants don't throw their food out, that they have to. Uh, be affiliated with some type of soup kitchen or, or, or something like that and or families that could come there and get the food, Reginald, instead of throwing it out. You know, because I told you that, you know, with my last employer there in Chicago and, you know, and I would bring people in from all over the world and things like this. And I instructed, um, you know, Aramark and all of these other organizations that any food that is left over that I have already already affiliated myself with the soup kitchens and 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 adoption agencies and other uh, you know organizations for them to come and get the food. So once the uh, uh the the uh, uh president found out that I was doing that, he had the mitigated gall to call me into office and thought he was going to chastise me. Well, you know that didn't work out well. And, um, and, and, and it's like, you know, how, how ignorant is that? You rather throw the food out than to let somebody have it. Food that costs a lot of money than to let someone have it. It's fresh food and you just rather, rather throw it out. I, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm just done. Okay. So the next, um, uh, thing on this author's list is for many companies, tariffs cuts profits and it does. Some companies compete in sectors so com- uh, so competitive that they can that they can only recoup part of the extra cost of imported steel and aluminum inputs, and they're very concerned that their input prices will go up, and as earnings shrink, that's your earnings, listeners. Companies have less to invest in expansion, hurting job growth. So that means, Reginald and my listeners, there's going to be less hiring. You know, Trump was boasting of you know all this tax cut. The- Companies will be able to hire more and this, that, and all that. Yeah, right. Start, keep doing what you're doing, okay? Keep, keep doing this and you'll see what happens, okay? Uh, protectionism 
weakens the protected. Though they've shrunk in recent decades, the U.S. aluminum and steel industries have survived precisely because foreign competition has forced them to improve, Reginald. Mm-hmm. Imposing imposing tariffs that raise the price of imported steel by 25% and aluminum by 10% allows them to once again get lazy and avoid the tough choices needed to be globally competitive. Now, what do you think about that, Reginald? Well, you know, competition is is good for everybody. And um and I'm sorry, I didn't get the first part of of of, of your question. If you can if you, or your statement, if you can just uh, uh, repeat that for me again. Okay. This is uh the protectionism weakens the protected. Uh it says uh though they shrunk in recent decades, the US aluminum and steel industries have survived precisely because foreign competition has forced them to improve. Mm-hmm. Imposing uh-huh, I'll I'll finish reading it. Imposing tariffs that raise the price of imported steel by twenty five percent and and aluminum by ten percent allows them to again get lazy and avoid the ch- tough choices needed to be globally competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, competition is is good for everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, it it keeps companies on their p's and q's. Uh, you know, as far as producing a good product, and um, you know, again, I just think competition is 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 good for everybody. Mhm. Exactly. You know? I. That's 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 what I feel. <laughs> that's what I feel. Uh huh. Okay. And so then, and so I, you know, I just want to say this, you know, he meaning Trump can demand companies come back and, you know, and, um, like some companies come back or whatever. It doesn't matter because they're still going to need the support on some level of an outside organization outside of this country listeners to, you know, to help them make their products so that, you know, from beginning to end so that they can get them to market. I, I wanted to say that before, but, you know, and I'm saying it now, but, you know, they, they're going to need them. I don't care if it's, you know, it could be something very imperceptible, a little screw head, or it can be um, a, a certain type of thread or whatever, whatever it is. They, they, you know, they have to get it. Just that's, that's what I'm saying. Just follow the manufacturing trade. A, a, a trail, just follow it and see who gets, you know, where they get this stuff from. All of this stuff is not from here. Trust me. Okay. And, and, Tara, and, and, and oh, okay. That's why, this is, that's why this is a global economy, you know, hence the term global economy. That, exactly. Uh, you know, you're right. There, there are uh, certain products that are, you know, parts of, that are imported. Uh, I mean, I mean listen, look, GM or Chrysler, or Ford, whatever they don't make all of the all of the products for their cars. They don't make all of you know the glass or or the the, the material for the seats and all of that. You know there are companies that that supply those things, small companies, large companies that supply those things. And and in the end, it keeps uh, jobs for for a lot of a lot of people. Again, just quickly, mm-hmm. I know we're running out of time. There's there's a yeah, I got four minutes. Company, there's a small company in Chicago. That supplied uh, glass for GM, a small uh, company that was owned by uh, a black woman that supplied screws and nuts and bolts, you know, for GM mm-hmm. Ford and Chrysler. So, you know, it, it keeps people employed. Yes, it does. But what I'm saying is that, you know, it's, it's called supply chain management. And I and I took it 
Um, I had a couple of semesters of it in my academic career. It's called supply chain management. So she may supply those screws, nuts and bolts, but I bet you she has to go and, you know, get them from someone else. And then that someone else has to get them from someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying, Reginald? In order to make all that happen for this woman, which I give kudos for and the other individual, which I give kudos for that they're doing. If you, if you follow the supply chain management, uh, um, uh, trail, you'll find that, you know, that is, it's, it's all over the place. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's very interesting. Now, terrorists invite retaliation. Um, I got about three minutes. Um, this is the last one. In themselves, the new terrorists aren't a huge deal. Still in aluminum imports combined, uh, total 53 billion. So shifting parts of that number to U.S. producers who will charge higher prices on a few tens of billions in sales won't sink the economy. This person is saying it is a signal that counts most. This is the first time Trump has delivered big time on this campaign pledge to extend broad protections to U.S. manufacturers. If he fulfills the pledges he made as president elect, the results could be catastrophic. A study by Suffolk University in Boston found that the terrorists he promised as a candidate on levy on China, Japan and Mexico could increase prices to U.S. households by over 2000 a year for five years, Reginald. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'll say that it shows that his lack of economic um, uh, knowledge, his lack of economic information, and, and just saying things like the other day he you know talked about uh, 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 raising the tariffs and you know things like that, and the stock market, uh, it um, the, the stock market's reaction. So he doesn't even understand that just said that by uh, you know the person who occupies the Oval Office almost said him being president. So I don't do that. The person who mm. occupies the Oval Office, what he or she says has such can have a positive or a negative effect on so many things, on, on the stock market, on worldviews, on, you know, if, 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 uh, if a war can start, you know, if a war, mm-hmm. you know, just the words out of the person's mouth that occupies the Oval Office has, can have a positive or negative effect on so many things. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, he, he, he just, he just he, he's like a blind man swinging in the dark, in a dark room. He has no exactly. idea what he talks about. Exactly. No, no, he doesn't. And, you know, I have one minute uh, left. So I want to say, Reginald, uh, that, you know, the so-called businessman in the White House don't know business at all. So I'm echoing what you said. He knows about divisiveness. Uh, that's for sure. And pandering to his base and what continues to take uh, this country down. That's what I'm going to say. Um, I, I, I thank you um, all for listening to me. Um, uh, please go and register to vote. Um, know where your voting uh, poll place is. I will be returning on the 22nd um, of March and knowing that um, spring up, fall back. So uh, for all of you who listen to me, first thing in the morning, my broadcast will start at 7 a.m. as I broadcast out of Illinois. So thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you so much, Reza, for being the positive um, uh, commentator on my uh, on my show. I really appreciate it. Go out and make it a blessed day. Be kind to yourself and then Put that kindness on to others. This is Teresa E. Keeves. 
God bless you all.